Welcome back, everyone, and welcome to any new listeners, any new followers, folks who are, you know, catching up to the to this season. Welcome back, y'all. My name is Tiffany. This is the They Didn't Tell You podcast. This is season number two, episode number three. And I'm calling this episode, What the Fuck is Happening? Because, quite frankly... That's literally the question, and I I put it in the post that I made for this episode um, because that's literally the question I've been asking myself, like, what the fuck is happening? What is it? I don't get it. Um, There's a mixture of emotions that I have that I have had during this quarantine. Um, I know I did my episode with my girl Ayana, um, that bonus episode, just strictly about COVID, and then in a matter of, you know, weeks, maybe even a month. George Floyd's murder happened. And um, it just ch- kind of changed everything. It kind of changed my perspective on certain things. It kind of, you know, it forced me to look inwardly a lot more than I had anticipated. And it made me a lot more sensitive than uh, I imagined. I really didn't think I was going to be as sensitive as I am. And because of it, I won't even say like it affected me and or that was a bad thing. But I, what I will say is, it affected me in a way to to take action and you know action in the community that I'm living in right now and action in my own life and I find it was very it's easy sometimes to do actions for anything else or anyone else but yourself and so I knew that it was important for me to take some time to connect with y'all to connect with people who are just listening for the first time who may not necessarily want to go back to season one episode one and get to know me who are you know, trying to get to know me for the very first time right now. So um, I'm saying all that to say, I hope you're doing well. I hope your family's well. Um, I hope that they remain well. And I hope that these coming, these months that are coming up as we enter the second half of 2020, um, I just hope that they meet you as safe and as sound as you are right now. What I'm going to do is just talk about the things that had me going, what the fuck, during this quarantine. And I know my list is extensive because y'all know I could talk, but I promise, you know, I'm not going to keep y'all too long. And what I'm thinking I'm going to do is just extend this conversation via Zoom, via IG Live or something like that. Something that's going to help me communicate and connect with you all because I really want to hear what y'all think. I really want to hear your voices and see your faces. So maybe I might do a Zoom call. Uh, very soon, sooner than later. So if you're interested, let me know. I'll get that all worked out and send out information on that too. But if you're interested in helping out, if you want to lend, lend your uh, expertise, if you want to lend um, some words and you think you can help out with this as well, um, hit me up and I'll let you know if it's going to fit kind of what I have in my mind right now. And if it doesn't, that don't mean you can't work with me on something else. It just may not be that. So you know, olive branch. That's what it is. It's up to you to pick it and receive it. Okay. So let's go into the episode. So one of the first things that had me going, what the fuck is getting your fucking gun license. And I'm like, so serious. I was like, why, what is, what is this number that I'm looking at that this article is telling me? In March alone, y'all, March, the the month that was just a few months ago, over 2.5 million guns were 
sold. Bitch, did you hear me? To any, you know, this is my term of endearment for for ladies, gentlemen, whoever's listening, like it or love it, but bitch, (laughs) over 2.5 million guns in one month alone. And that shit really had me thinking like, how many people live in America? Like, what's the guesstimation of our population <laughs> that rhymes in, in, in America? And so, you know, I went to go look because I had to know. And like, I saw for, for last year, it was 328.2 million people living and breathing in America, according to that data. And y'all already know there's plenty of quarantine babies coming at the end of this year. It's really the nature of the game. So I'm like, if that's what it was last year, I can only imagine, especially with these babies, we about to be, it's about to be a whole baby booming season, but I'm thinking, okay, 328 million people. Okay. So they're selling 2.5 million guns in just one month. And it seemed to me, I was looking up some articles that they've really been on track with kind of selling that amount every month since, that's over 10 million guns by now. And my main thought was, how many of these guns are owned by people that look like me and you? And I'm talking about people of color. I'm talking about black and brown folks. I'm talking about like, <laughs> how many How many of us went out and applied for these gun licenses? Because in some states, they're more lenient than others. Okay. How many of us really went out to exercise one of our rights that we never really seem to exercise. And look, depending on the type of person, some people won't even really tell you that they own a gun and I get it. But when I think about how many people I personally know that do own a gun um, and is a black or brown person, that number is super, super small. And that thought a little bit kind of shook me because I'm thinking I don't even want to, I didn't want to dig deeper into that, that, those numbers to figure out which states had the most gun purchases. I was like, I don't even want to trip myself out and here is New Jersey. I really don't. Um, but as we're really sitting here watching all these Karens and gun toting ass Kens swinging their guns in our faces and knowing like there's going to be little to no repercussions for it. And even if they fucking shoot us, it will be because they truly believe we deserve it. Like in their eyes, Every unarmed black and brown person that has been murdered to this very day deserved it in their eyes. That's just really how deep their racism is. And to me, this shit is really no joke. So when I saw that people, and I'm, and I I could be, I can assume, one can assume, I won't say I'm right, but one can assume in March that when, when all those guns, those 2.5 million guns were purchased, one can assume that the majority of those people were white. And I always ask myself, when it's time, when, when things like this happen, why is it the first thing that you do is get a gun? Why is that the first thing that you, why is that? Because so, guns ain't cheap. Guns are not cheap. They're not something you go out there and say, you know what, I want, I want that red one. I want that blue one. And you're not picking out fruit. You're picking out a lethal fucking weapon. That's what you're picking out. And people bought 2.5 million lethal weapons in one month, y'all. That shit is wild. That shit is wild. So I'm saying this to say, if you feel comfortable, go out and get yourself an application and start filling that thing out. All right? Do it. It's a part of our rights. 
Um, and I know some of us are scared to have them in our homes, hold them in our hands, let alone even pull the fucking trigger because we, we have hearts. Our, our intention behind this weapon is, is never to kill or, or hurt someone intentionally. It's not even to use to really threaten people with. I'm just using it to protect myself. So if you run up in my house thinking it's going to be this, it's going to be that. That's what the gun is for. But people have misconstrued its necessity in their lives. And that's why, <laughs> that's why a lot of things are the way that they are. Um, but look up information for your particular state that you're living in and see what the requirements are. Some of the requirements may make you feel a little bit overwhelmed or like, damn, this is a bit too much. Don't allow yourself to feel discouraged. That's why a lot of us do not have guns and why a lot of us are not registered to hold guns and have them in our homes. Let's not be afraid of the process. Let's do this work. Um, and if you really think about it at this point in time, there's millions of Americans right now who exercise their right. And I think I saw this like a while back that the only time we'll see, and I wonder who, who really said this originally and initially, that the only time we'll really see change in gun laws is when enough black and brown people go out and buy them. And I don't know if it's true. America, white people, they love their guns. They really do, especially them open carry states. I never understood what, a, what you need a gun to walk down the street for, but as long as my people could do it too and, and not get harmed or murdered for it, I'm, I'm cool with it, I guess. But Will it really change if if we all go out and buy guns in, in, in millions and in hordes? Will that make them change laws or will that make them go out and just further militarize themselves as well? I don't know, but I'm thinking to myself, let's put it to the test. Let, let's put this thought, let's put this process to the test. Let's all start, start going out and picking up these guns. So like I said, they're not cheap, right? Start saving your coins. And I'm actually about to start saving a goal um, a saving, creating a savings goal for myself to purchase my first firearm, to pay for my application, to pay for my fingerprints, whatever needs to be done to pay for classes. I'm going to start saving my coins for that because at this point in my life, it's not something I necessarily want to do. I don't want to own a gun, but you know what? I'm gonna have to, I'm gonna have to pull up my, my big girl pants and get busy. Um, next, <laughs> something else I thought of and like I said, I'm going to bounce around, but these things, this is kind of how things popped up in my mind. But during this quarantine, another thing that had me going like WTF, and this is going to sound very hippie-ish, but I found my voice. And I know I talk a lot and it can be like, Tiff, girl, you got 30 something episodes of your voice. How you just talking about you just, how you talking like you just found your voice? Um... And I know it, it sounds a little crazy, even felt crazy to me when I was like, damn, sis, like your voice is different. How you present yourself is, is even different. I thought I was moving great and crazy last year. And I'm like, damn, this quarantine then took me to a whole nother level um, of myself that I really didn't, didn't imagine. Um, and I learned that there were certain things I didn't like about myself. And... One of the things I learned that I wasn't a big fan of is that even though I talk a lot, I only talk a lot. I'm only really myself when I'm comfortable. That's a given. Most people like to be themselves when they feel comfortable in the space that's free of judgment. But I've always admired the people that were able to get a, go out, 
show up as themselves, as who they are, of course, right? Within reason, because we're not going to give everybody everything, but show up in, in, as kind of that bubbly, bubbly personality that they are with their friends. If they're in a space where they feel uncomfortable, they don't allow themselves to, you know, close themselves off. They open themselves up. And so I'm like, you know what? I'm not about to sit here and do the most when I'm out and about, but I'm also not about to sit here and sit in no corner. Um, if really what I want to do is get up and dance, if really what I want to get up and do is make a joke or be silly or, or have a good time, I need to find my voice and, and utilize that voice in every space that I'm in and not allow myself to feel like restricted. I don't want to be restricted. And I think the more and more that I that people get to know me and the more that I even like today at work, I was doing like some orientation thing for registration for transfer students. And most of the staff members on it have no idea who I am, but I still, I'm a person who likes to be silly. And so I still made a little silly joke before I <laughs> left the chat. And it's just like, okay, I showed up as myself. I'm not, I don't always feel that way sometimes since I don't have to, but in the moments where, especially at work, when you try to like guard yourself, I have to make room for bits and pieces of my genuine, my real self to, to bleed through because I'm going to go crazy. I'm going to go crazy trying to be what everybody else wants me to be. So I think the most impactful thing that encouraged me to do this and to realize I really, 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 really didn't have, like I really didn't have that voice, that commanding, that strong voice within myself for myself to help me personally until I started reading. And I forgot how much I actually really enjoyed reading, like binge reading. I used to read books. Now, granted, they were sex books. So, okay. Zane was was big on my list. But I used to breeze through them books mad fast. And I forgot how much I love getting caught up in a story. Something, it doesn't matter if I'm learning about someone's autobiography or if I'm learning something that's untrue, a, a creative story in a different world with a different time, whatever. I like all stories because they take me to a place that's outside of myself. It puts me on to words and imagery and things that I couldn't even, I wouldn't even imagine because, you know, where do I have that as a point of reference for myself? And so currently I'm trying to get through three totally and completely different books right now um, with this subject matter. But in some way, they all kind of tie in with one another very nicely, at least for me. And one of my books is, is Therapist Recommended. So, you know, it's called Spirit Hacking. So you already know it's like very soul searchy. Uh, the other two books are for book clubs I'm in. So first of all, shout out to my best friend, Amanda. She started a book club called Brown and Black Girls Read Too. Uh, she was on last week's episode. And the June book was called, the June book that we have is called Black Girls Must Die Exhausted. And let me tell y'all something. What a read. If you have not read that book and you're like literally in your late 20s, mid to late 20s, and definitely if you're in your 30s, black woman, woman of color, this book is for you. This book is, is totally, totally for you. And the second book I'm reading is for a book club for another queen, another dope black queen that I that I love very dearly. She's dear to my heart. My girl Shelby. And she created her, her page is called Shelby in the Book Club. I'll make sure I tag all this too. And the June book for her club was is called The Book of Longings. And 
it's not your normal like hey this is it's a different kind of read it's not it's very different from black girls must die exhausted because that book kind of you can put yourself in that book it's about a black woman so as a black woman i could insert myself in that book and so when i saw the book called the book of longings without even you know knowing much about the plot or the premise of the book i was like oh i'm not going to be able to connect with this book i don't know if i can do it and let me tell you something this book right here opened me up. It opened me up completely these past few days. I read in one sitting, this page is pretty, this book is pretty lengthy. Um, but I read over 200 pages of this book and I actually have the book right next to me. How many pages is in this book? Let me see. I mean, I'm looking at the book while I talk to y'all real quick. Hold on. 400, I think 18. Yeah. 418 pages. I read 200 pages straight through for hours. I did not take a break because I thought this book was going to be so much of a hard read for me. So I don't mean to like hang on to one book and not more of the others, but I think it's something special about reading something that really has nothing to do with you and trying to find ways to connect with it and to find ways to connect with all three of these books on different levels. I was just like, man, I'm finding my voice again. I really have found my voice to get it. And the book along is, is, is one of the, the number one book of all the three that I'm reading that has helped me do that the most thus far. Um, but I got to get into spirit hacking. My therapist going to kick my ass for that. I'm supposed to have been, been uh, dive in that. So to y'all dope black queens, um, I love y'all. Thank y'all for creating these book clubs for us and putting me on the books that that I really need to read, especially now during this quarantine. So if you've been like me these past few months, if you feel like you're stifled, you're stuck, like you don't have a voice, you don't know how to use it, try reading a book. Like let these words take your mind off of things. Let it expand your thought process um, on what you want to let in and eventually what you want to let out with the things that you have to say. What's next? Let me see. Ah, uh, yes. I became so much more aware. We're about to get into our bag, y'all. Like I've, I've really have become so much more aware of myself. Finding my voice is one thing, but awareness is a completely other. Like there's levels to wholeness and, and becoming whole. And that's what sometimes people say, like when you say things like finding my voice and becoming aware, they both kind of sound the same, but they're so different. They're so different. You got to treat them differently. And you have to kind of treat it like, like an illness. This is one symptom of my illness. And, and my awareness is a symptom. It says that my lack of awareness, okay, was a symptom for me that I had to remedy and fix. And for me, it was like good, bad, or indifferent. And I thought to myself at one point, like, with a particular situation, I'm like, damn, Tiff, you being real real stubborn right now about like X, Y, and Z. I want to give an example. Um, let me go with, let me go with, let me go with church. I talked about church a little bit last week, but let me go about church. And let me say a little bit of my business. Many people do not know, of course, because I don't really talk about it much, but outside of my friendships, but I, I've had some really negative Okay, and off-putting situations um, in my life at a church or churches that I've been to. And they have literally left me very bitter and very scarred. I, I have to be honest with you. I remember when I went to college, 
Shout out to everybody from Willie P. I remember I went to college and I told myself I had no intentions on setting foot back in another church if it wasn't required for something. So I took gospel choir at my alma mater. And so, yeah, of course, I went to a church and we sang. It was I was honestly a little uncomfortable in the church because at that time I hadn't been in the church for a little bit. But church to me was never really a place that that brought me peace. It just, it actually just gave me anxiety. I've never felt like I walked into it and felt like, okay, I'm amongst, I'm in the house of the Lord. I'm feeling, I wasn't feeling nothing. I was just like, okay, I walk into a building. That's, that's how turned off I was about, about church. And so someone said this to me and I really, I really can't remember who, but they told me some of the meanest people they met in their lives, they met at church. And when I tell you, I felt that on such a spiritual level, like I really, really did, because that's how I feel about my experience to this day. And they kind of like, not shocked me, but you know, there's, there's shows about it. There's, there's shows on TV. Oprah got a show about it. Um, the Greenleafs, Greenleaf. I love this show. I do. But the mom is crazy. The siblings are nuts. The dad, like they all fucked up. In the church, I don't mean to curse when I'm talking about. It. I'm sorry, Lord, please forgive me. But they're all really messed up, right? They're all really messed up, and I'm just like, you bring, you have messed up people trying to lead people, and then now I'm messed up because of it. So I, I had to, I had to take a step back. But like I noticed, like I no, like I noted last week, I've been streaming church a lot for the past like nearly two months at this time, and my friends can tell you that's a really big deal for me at least. But I knew during this quarantine, I knew I needed something different. I knew I I spent the first month kind of like in a lull a little bit of just, let me just catch up on sleep. Let me just take a break. But I knew I needed something more to help open me up. Um, Because I I honestly have been wanting to go back, get back in church for a while. But I love that I was able to dip my toe back in the water virtually. and it's, I'm at a point now where I am prepared to walk into a church. I am prepared to literally sit there and listen to the pastor preach because I, I'm trusting now more of who's going to be around me because times have changed. And college was a long time ago, unfortunately, a long time ago. So I have to remind myself and be aware that the more I had opened myself to being connected with God, and I'm sorry if I'm getting a little spiritual with y'all. But the moment I allowed myself to really start having more conversations with God, start praying more, start focusing on the word more, listening intently more, taking down notes, things have dramatically changed, dramatically changed. And so I'm very appreciative for that. Um, and I think if I hadn't if I hadn't done it, I'd still be in my bed feeling sorry for myself about certain things. And so I'm just glad I'm just not there. Be more aware of what you're feeling and why you're feeling it. And then when you're ready to be extremely open with yourself, be prepared to investigate it. Do the work. Now is really the time to do a lot of self-work that a lot of us need. So I'm not going to spend too much time on this one, but I'm going to talk real quick about the Karens and the Kens. Seeing white men and women waving their guns in front of people, especially seeing them doing it in front of black and brown people, it just makes me kind of amazed 
that they always get to live to tell the story, I think is wild to me. Like, do you really think if you and I, or me and my boyfriend as two, as a black man and black woman sitting on our own property, do you think that we be good and get, and we will get away with waving guns around our people from our front porch? Do you think that, that we would have lived to tell the story? Because I really don't think so. And I know that this video is circulating about black people who are antagonizing, I'm going to put air quotes on it, antagonizing white people and into pulling out their guns on us and into making them explode with anger on us and to potentially, possibly, fatally shoot us. And I've seen people saying like, damn, bro did too much and, and sis was doing too much and they shouldn't have done all that. They should have calmed down when such and such said this and, and such and such said that. And then I, I just want to briefly say, uh, explain another story that I've heard. What about these white, these, I don't even know if they're white or not, because I don't even care to even find out what their background was. But what about these cops that got caught saying racist shit on their dash cam and then had the audacity to blame it on being stressed due to George Floyd's situation and feeling like criminalized in a way, which is odd to me that they would even feel like they were, they were in danger wild, but they're so sick and they're absolutely willing to blame a murdered black man for their racism. Is that not wild? Like, I think it's crazy. Are we not stressed? Are we not tired? Like, I'm sorry. If a few black people start doing too much, quote unquote, doing too much to antagonize somebody white, I say, I feel you. I'm tired the fuck too. And when you push me past my limit, it's literally a given and guarantee that I'm going to curse you the fuck out because you disturbed my peace. I'm chilling. I'm minding my business. I made it this far minding my business, but now you want to mind mine. Now you want to be ignorant. Now you want to play games. And now that I'm, that I'm talking to you crazy, now that we're in this heated debate, you want to pull a gun out. And folks want to say, I deserve that. What? Excuse me? Like, I don't, I don't understand people's, people's reasoning behind things sometimes. I, I really don't. Um, but I'm tired. Okay. And you don't have to agree with me, but you definitely ain't going to argue with me. I said what I said. And so I, I'm not, I don't entertain and engage in certain conversations where it's like, oh, this girl, she did too. Bitch is stressed just like the rest of us. We all in quarantine. And so if racist people want to use this quarantine as their excuse, why can't we? Because as far as I'm concerned, we've been living in quarantine states our entire lives. We've been quarantined from a lot of shit. We've been quarantined from finances. We've been quarantined from opportunities. We've been quarantined from promotion. We've been quarantined a lot. So I'm sorry. My cup runneth the fuck over. Um... But for, you know, for those people who are brave enough to stand in their shit and not budge and, and sort of do what this woman did, which is like, wish a motherfucker would. There, there's really, to me, there's no perfect way to handle these things, especially when you're confronted and it's in that moment. We always think we know what we're going to do. We think we know what we're capable of. And then when somebody pulls a gun out on you, it takes a, a special kind of person to still sit there and be like, but you're not going to try me. I'd be shook. I'd be shook because I don't know your mental state. And so I, I believe sometimes I have to commend the people, the black people and brown people who walk away from those situations alive because I know that shit was scary. 
I'm sure they were fearful, but you got to stand for something. And sometimes standing for something is some scary shit. And I believe I heard Crystal say on a few episodes back from the read that you got to be willing to die behind black liberation. Nobody's saying that you necessarily have to put yourself out there and make yourself a martyr. But you got to be willing to die behind it. You got to be willing to fight for it. And you got to be willing to go on the bat, bat for it. And sometimes it looks like standing up for yourself. But standing up for myself should never mean that I need to die. But that's how we have to think now about liberating ourselves, that we might die behind it. Yet again, I'm going to say for by the umpteenth time, wild to me. All right. So that's all the time I'm going to spend on them. Let's move on to my last one. In true player club, players club fashion, um, I have taken the following approach towards work and work-life balance. Make the money. Don't let it make you. Now, she didn't say it like that. And I'm not going to say it the way Lisa Ray said it because I'm not an actress. But over the past few years, I've grown just like really, really weary of the bullshit that occurs in the workplace. And I've been employed since I was 16 years old. Shit, many of us have, if not um, earlier than that. And that literally means to me that I've been dealing with racism in the workplace since then for half of my life. I literally spent half of my life working under white male leadership. I think I've only had one white woman that was like a director or the lead or the manager or whatever that, that oversaw everybody. I think I've only worked under one, one woman, but every other job I've had were all led by white men. It's, it's crazy. And I've spent these past 16 years experiencing leadership that has left me feeling disre- disregarded. Um, I've been in situations where there was low-key and high-key sabotage going on. Um, moments where I've been made to, f- to feel a little bit like shit, like I'm not worthy. Like like the the ground I walk on, the work that I put out, nothing, nothing I do. Like, what am I even doing it for? Why am I even making an effort? You're not good enough. And, and so it's crazy to me. I don't, I don't feel that way these days. But I just think about how long I spent in that state of mind and how shook I was that that was going to be it for me for the rest of my life. This is the type of leadership I was going to have to work under for the rest of my life. So I saw a post that I love the other day. It was posted by this podcast called Fuck Work Podcast. Okay. Fuck Work Podcast. Y'all need to get into it. These queens is dope. Um, The podcast is really good too. And the post they had said, a lot of employees in America are terrified that their black employees will be honest about their work experience. Listen here. The majority of us who have been oppressed, we've learned to push through, especially, and imagine that especially in all caps. I want you to feel that energy, all right? Especially when it comes to how you make money. We've suffered through, and some of us are still suffering through some grade A type of bullshit at work with people we spend the most, the most amount of our time with throughout our work days, throughout our lives. I got to work with you and I got to deal with this shit with you. So when I saw that post, I thought to myself, like, nah, Tiff, you have to be more upfront and you're going to have to be way more honest about the issues that you've experienced in the workplace. And a lot of us are really shook. Shit to complain about a supervisor, about a colleague, um, not on, not just because they're white, 
but because of the kind of power they have over you and maybe because they have oversight over your work and you're worried about retaliation, which is legal, but you know, you know how they do, right? So who wants to complain about something? And this is, and this is a different type of, of mind fuckery, but who wants to complain about something only to have the person you reported still being present in the work, like still present in the workplace, still leading you, still advising you, still managing you, and possibly still still writing your uh, your reviews for you. Imagine that. I've been there. I've been there. I've seen it. I've heard it. It, it sickens me, if, if I could be super honest. And, you know, there were moments where I, I, I've been allowed to speak openly and honestly about the things that I could really no longer accept. And I'm super appreciative for those moments because they didn't fall on deaf ears. Because that's my concern, too. I don't want what I have to say to fall on deaf ears. And it felt good to know that some of the things I had to say, some of the issues I, I was facing and dealing with, they didn't fall on deaf ears. Somebody heard me. And so what I had to start doing was making known the behaviors that made me feel like my job was on the line. Moments where I felt like people were trying to really come from my neck. And we we can't we can't be afraid, afraid to tell folks that shit is is not real cool at work. At some point, you know, you want to refrain from speaking about it publicly like I am. Some people don't want to do it. It's, it's scary to talk up and speak up about things that make you uncomfortable, especially at work. But to me, the silence was eating away at me. It was really like gnawing at me and I could not do it any longer. In order to live by Diamond's words, aka Lisa Ray, I had to look at my job as though they need me. Because to be completely honest, I'm a popping ass higher ed professional. Like I really am. I get the job done. I'm genuine. Genuine. I'm sorry. I'm genuine. I show love, and I and I and I support people. I don't attack people. I don't throw you under the bus. I don't do anything that I wouldn't want coming back to me. And that's on period. Okay. I just don't do it. So in my mind, you know what? My job needs me. And the more I started looking at it, like. It's your honor to have me, not the other way around. I actually became much more happier at work. I actually became much more pleasant <laughs> in general because I, I became more creative. I've allowed myself to say the thing that I've been afraid to say of, you know, you need me. What did Jay-Z say? You need me. I don't need you. I really don't need you. And yes, I, I'm, who wants to be without a job? Who wants to be broke? But I don't need this. I don't need to be treated like shit. I don't need it. And I'm fortunate enough to be in, this, in a position where if I need to roll out, I could. I feel like, especially if you're in a space at work where things aren't looking too good for you or you're feeling like, damn, I'm coming under, this, under attack, you need to start, making, start to make some strategic plans for yourself. And so, sis, as far as I'm concerned, when I started feeling like, hmm, Things getting a little funky over here. I started saving my coins. I started putting my coins away because I wasn't sure what was going on out here. Things was looking a little weird. And so people, institutions and systems, they like to have control over you. And that's kind of how these work environments are are built and structured for control purposes, for productivity 
not to really see you develop and, and flourish as a, as a professional and as a human being. It's for you to do a job. It's for them to chew you up and spit you out. But I'm highly favored and I'm flawed and I'm very accepting of both. But I do what needs to be done to heal and, and, and lay it to rest. So I don't bring that stuff to work with me. I don't bring hatred to work with me. I don't bring hating this, hating ass energy to work with me. But a lot of the people who have loved me, I personally have felt like that's that's the kind of energy they brought to me. And so, you know, y'all have to hear that in the background. It's been going on all night. <laughs> I live right by a hospital. Uh, it was a little scary to me to feel this way. I, I'm pretty sure my parents definitely thought, because I thought too, that I was going to quit my job at one time. Um, and there was a moment where I played around with the idea a little bit. But what I decided to do was number one, sis, these loans not gonna pay themselves, right? They're not gonna pay themselves. So what you gonna do? What you, like what are you really gonna do, Tiffany? Because you 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 talking good shit. It sounds good to quit, but your bills is like we can go into deferment, but this interest is still gonna accrue. So no matter what, we, we want our money. And so I told myself. I need to really utilize my, one of my favorite skill sets, one of my favorite things about myself. And that's to make sure I'm dotting my I's and I'm crossing my T's. Like my skill, my ability to do that, my ability to keep a receipt, especially when it comes to work, is incomparable to anybody else. I'm just going to pat myself on the back because it really is. I'm always ready. Always ready. I had people tell me like, damn, Tiff, you, you... I thought you was about to get caught up in da-da-da-da. No, 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 because baby girl asked for communication here, here, and here and never got it. Baby girl reached out and said this, this, and that, but they they didn't check their emails. They they missed my email. So now you're trying to think I didn't do my job, but I did. I'm always ready. I'm always ready. And so I think if you're feeling like Tiff, girl, you're talking a good game, but I, I can't, I can't speak out. Just keep a receipt. And be ready to use that receipt. I wasn't always ready to use it. I held on to a lot of I have receipts I'm holding on to since I first started my job. And I'm being honest, I've, I've held on to them because what do I do with them? When's the appropriate time to say here? And people will say, you know, you can report, you can report. But like I said earlier, I've seen people who reported, reported racism, reported bias, reported, reported it all. And they still had to work for their manager. That manager is still employed. So I encourage more, more selfish talk in your life. Um, and unless you're doing something, unless you're working for yourself, doing something that, you're, something that you're very passionate about, something that you're very happy about, something that fills you up, this ain't for you. I'm talking about those of us who are really struggling in the workplace. Those, was, those of us who felt like, damn, because my issues that I was having at work had me feeling like this field was no longer for me. I truly felt like it's time for me to get up and get out of here. Maybe higher education is just not for me, but I got selfish and I realized this field is for me. This is actually, this is actually where I belong and where I need to be. And y'all gonna see a lot more of me in higher ed. I'm not going nowhere. All right. So now we're at the end of the episode. Y'all already know I like to do my songs of the week. I like to, to talk about music I'm feeling. And so this week, the song I'm choosing is called Bless by Buju Bantan, and it's from his new album called Upside Down 2020. And my good man, we are currently living in an upside down world. So how I how I found this song was actually through 
an Instagram promo because Instagram is always trying to sell us something, but I know somebody got to pay for it. So I get it, but you know, they always pushing something. And so I see this promo for Buju's merch and I'm like, damn, I need to cop some of his merch, by the way, this looks kind of nice. But then I realized like, wait a minute, this, all this promo is because an album came out and the song that was playing for the merchandise and everything was this song blessed. And when I heard the beat, I was like, okay, a bitch hips is moving. And whining a little bit. I'm over here just doing a whole little dance, you know, in my room. And then the chorus hits. And y'all know I'm never putting on, okay, I'm never putting on a West Indian Caribbean accent. It's just never going to happen. All right. I just love my family. And I love my mother and my grandparents too much to embarrass myself. But the chorus says, tell them we're blessed. And it kind of, it repeats over, tell them we bless, tell them we bless, tell them we blessed. Like, I love that. To me, it was just like, I looked at it like an affirmation. Tell them we're blessed. And, and just keep repeating. Tell them and tell them and tell them and tell them. And then if you ask again, tell them that we blessed. Period. And so I was like, all right, Buju. Because, you know, he made a little shift in his music a while back. And it's been super uplifting, spiritual even. And if you listen to the very first song off this album, you'll, you'll pick up what I'm putting down. But I said, you know, yes, Buju. Let them, you know, let me, let me remind myself of how blessed I am, that my family is blessed, that my friends are blessed, that my life is blessed. And I love how this man, <laughs> I'm laughing because my boyfriend knows, like, I love me some buju. But I love how, you know, he can make a song that makes me feel so empowered. And yet I want to whine and shake my butt at the same damn time. I just don't know how he does it, but he does it. But let me go touch on the beginning real quick of the song. The first few lines of the song, I really, it's, I think it's what pulled me in because it's kind of relative to what I'm feeling and, and relative to this episode too of, and maybe even the last part about work, that we're striving out here, we're reaching for goals, but there's always snakes in the grass, right? So while we're trying to live our lives, be pro- prosperous, they, those folks who don't want to see you in, they're fighting you. They're sabotaging you, okay? They're trying to make sure that that you don't win. And then he calls them like assholes. I'm like, you know what? They are assholes. My mom actually uses that word a lot too sometimes. She used to use the word asshole a lot, but they are assholes. And I said, you know what? We're just trying to do more. We're trying to be more. And y'all always big mad. And then they always try to take what you have, take what you worked for, and then try to destroy it, demean it, minimize it. And so he even goes on to talk about how long we've been working to get to this point and how we're just trying to to move upward and that people really just want us dead. That shit took me out. Because I'm like, yeah, you're right. No matter how hard we work, no matter what what letters or you know distinctions come after our, our names behind the comma, all they see is us. And at the end of the day, they don't want us to win. They, they rather see, they despise us so much, they rather see us dead. Um. But Bougie said, you know, in that song too of like, Satan, basically Satan get thee behind. He didn't say that exactly, but he did say, God got us. Like, we're not worried. We're not stressing. We're not stressing because we're blessed. And I thought this song came at a perfect time when I heard it this week because I was like, man, this song has been heavy on my mind and I didn't know what this episode was going to be about. And then boom. I want to talk about my what the fucks, but also the things that, that 
the things that have really helped me and, and the things that initially were my, my WTFs have turned into my, okay, now try me. Now I'm ready. Now I'm built for it. So that's all I have for y'all. Blessings, beloveds. <laughs> I know people hate that word, beloved, but blessings to you all. Um, nothing more, nothing less. I hope most folks feel like they're blessed beyond measure. And our winning mentalities are going to set us off, y'all. So I held y'all up long enough. Thank y'all so much for tuning in to my TED Talk. And it really does feel good to be back, y'all. So feel free to follow me on social media. My uh, Instagram page is with at Legally Black. And then the podcast that they didn't tell you podcast. Um, link in my bio for all the playlists for um, last week's episode with Tamara and Amanda. Update episode uh, playlist for this season, season two. Thank y'all so much for being real ones with me. And we're on this journey together. And I appreciate y'all always being patient, being understanding, and fucking with me the long way. Bye, y'all. Let me die. I'm tired. Thank <laughs> you.